Hi again, folks, and welcome back to NTI's Japan Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Zivna Kojima again. Great to have you with us, as always, and thanks for tuning in. First, just a quick update from our partners, Odyssey Capital Group in Hong Kong, who are running the Odyssey Japan Boutique Hospitality Fund. So the fund continues to expand, recruiting more and more investors, um, which means they're also buying and improving on more and more assets. We're going to have Dan Volvel, uh, Odyssey's co-founder and president, on one of our coming episodes again to give us an update of their progress. But just a quick reminder to anyone that hasn't jumped on that bandwagon yet, if you contact Odyssey and mention that you've been referred by NTI, you will enjoy a discounted buy-in of only 50,000 US dollars as opposed to the normal 250. And aside from the obvious, which is the profit you'll be making, you also get annual usage rights, which means that if you do travel to Japan at all, you'll be able to stay at one of those amazing luxury hotels or onsen resorts completely free of charge. So not only a hands-off profitable investment, but also a free annual holiday stay in some truly spectacular places. We'll link to the fund's webpage in this episode's show notes, so feel free to contact them directly and do mention that you heard about them on this podcast. Or if you prefer, just message us and we'll shoot through an introductory email on your behalf. Okay, so for today's topic, and this is something that we've covered in far more detail in many older episodes, particularly at the very early days of this podcast, back in, well, 2017 now. So if you haven't listened to these yet or have listened to them back in the day, but are now actually closer to pulling the trigger on your first purchase, might be a good idea to go back and listen in more detail to those first 10 or 20 episodes when you've got a bit of time. But just so that you've got a good summary handy or to refresh your memory, if you're now in the process of kicking off your portfolio, we're going to go through the uh, various entities that are involved in property purchases, management and sales here in Japan. So again, to clarify, these are the various professional entities that you'll need to be regularly in contact with during any and all real estate property related activities that you may partake in here in Japan. And you need all of these or almost all of these, regardless of whether you actually live here, whether it's in the same city you're purchasing in or not, or whether you're a hands-off remote buyer. So here they are in chronological order, meaning going through the standard uh, procedures of first buying, then managing, and then potentially selling any type of property whether it's for your own personal use or for investment purposes or for running a business or any type of venture in it or any combination of those three. Now, depending on which city or cities you're going to be operating in, some of these professionals may have English-speaking staff available and could potentially be open to dealing with foreigners. But the English-speaking property professionals uh, to general population ratio is so tiny here that you really want to, if at all possible, deal directly with the standard uh, so-called Japanese professionals. Again, if at all possible, either via a Japanese friend or spouse or family member or staff member, if you own a company, or via a professional middleman such as ourselves. And this is doubly true if your properties are essentially investment properties. So what do we mean by that? Well, if you look at the greater uh, Tokyo metro area, for example, where the population is about 35 million people, well, you can probably find about 15 or 20 realtors who can and will deal with foreigners, 15 or 20 property managers who can help you place and deal with tenants, 15 or 20 renovation and repair professionals, 15 or 20 judicial scriveners uh, who can handle legal matters related to property transactions in English, etc. So not even one per million population, more like half of that amount. Uh, Osaka metro area, for example, has about 20 million population, 
probably somewhere between 8 to 12 of these professionals and so forth. And that number drops even more sharply the smaller the population is and less metropolitan it is. So Fukuoka City, for example, where we are headquartered, has about 2.5 million people, all up, including all the uh, small townships around it. And we're currently only aware of two or three realtors and property agencies who can service English-speaking foreigners here. Only one judicial scrivener who can provide property-related services in English. Now, of course, you can always get in touch with one of the larger international property agencies or legal offices that also service Japan as a whole. But naturally, they charge a premium for the services, so usually are not really worth the expense unless you're dealing in very expensive and multi-million dollar properties to begin with. Definitely not if you're going for individual houses or units or smaller multifamily properties of the type that most, uh, let's call it normal people, can and want to afford. Now, some of these uh, one in a million property professionals do provide very good service, but the problem is that a lack of potential professional diversity normally translates into a lack of options. Meaning, if for any reason you're unhappy with their service at any point, there's really very little that you can do to replace them or to force them to improve just simply due to the lack of competition and leverage that you don't have. And this can be fine if you're purchasing and managing properties for your own personal use in say one or two cities. You just need to purchase and then occasionally conduct some repairs or maintenance on those few properties. But when you're managing a portfolio, particularly an investment portfolio, this lack of diversity always translates into reduced profitability. So again, the bottom line is, if at all possible, you want to deal directly with your typical run-of-the-mill Japanese property professionals, and you get around the reluctance to deal with foreigners by somehow providing them with a Japanese uh, face to communicate with from the very beginning, meaning when you're forming the relationship in the first place, and then all throughout the relationship itself from that moment on. So who are these professionals? Well, firstly, there are, of course, realtors. So direct sales are extremely rare in Japan, normally only happen between members of various social or business clubs, uh, family members who are selling to one another, or the extremely rich who again are normally dealing with multi-million dollar assets or even higher priced assets. And those types of assets usually change hands via word of mouth. But for all other smaller and cheaper property types, you'll normally be dealing with realtors. Now, in some cases, these realtors will have exclusivity contracts with sellers, meaning that you'll have to deal directly with the listing realtor. But in most other cases, um, these realtors, fudosans in Japanese, will have access to the same property pool. So really the top priority here is to find one who's fast on their feet, conducts proper due diligence as instructed by you. And if you're not sure what exactly uh, proper due diligence entails, go back and listen to some of our older episodes again, or just hire someone like us, a buyer's agency who can provide you with that professional know-how and instruct those realtors on your behalf. And you want a realtor who's generally communicative, solution-oriented, as opposed to transaction-oriented, so not somebody who just wants to make a sale or to sell a particular pool of properties that they've got listed. So same as in every other country, really. The next is your judicial scrivener or property lawyer. They're called shihoshoshi here in Japan, and they essentially provide the same function that a fully-pledged lawyer does, but at a much more affordable price. And they normally focus their work on licensing of businesses, transfers of ownership for property and other assets, and so forth. So you'll need those guys to draw the purchase contract, to confirm the legality and the validity of the title deed and the registration documents, 
And in most cases, they'll also be conducting the ownership transfer on your behalf on purchase and sale dates. Now, the legal registration fee that's uh, payable to the government and the stamp duty component are both fixed and they're based on the official evaluation of the property or the property purchase price. But the Scrivener's fee component itself is not fixed by law. And that can vary significantly as opposed to realtor fees, which are fixed by law. So don't be shy to shop around when you're picking your shihoshoshi. Get a few estimates from a few professionals based on the same property, of course, for comparison. And then just go with the one who's most affordable and, again, the most communicative, of course. Now, the next entity that you'll need to be in regular contact with, and this is only if you're purchasing a unit, whether residential, commercial, mixed purpose, in a co-owned block, is the building management company, which is appointed on behalf of the owner's co-op for that particular building, or kumiai kandi, as they're known here. You don't really have much of a choice in the matter in this case, so there's no picking and choosing if you're buying in a co-owned block. Uh, each building will normally have a company already in place at the time of purchase, barring those few occasions, particularly for smaller buildings of up to, say, 10 or 15 units, when the owner's co-op will be managing the property um, directly on their own without a building management company, which, by the way, does mean that monthly fees will be lower, but then owners will need to pay out of pocket for any renovation or repair required. And also, naturally, building management companies tend to be better at what they do compared with, you know, just a random collection of unit owners um, who might have very little or no property management experience at all. So don't let those monthly, uh, low monthly fees fool you. Uh, having a building management company in place um, is a good thing. Next in line, and this is only if you're buying an investment property, is your property manager or the tenant management company known in Japan as the Chintai Kanri. And this can be a normal property manager who only handles standard long-term lease tenants um, who ideally stay at a property for at least a year or two, hopefully longer than that. Or it could be a monthly lease company which handles short-term leases. Uh, we've spoken about both of these entities in the past in many, many episodes. And for investment properties, these are really the most crucial component of your portfolio. So they can make or break your investments depending on how professional and proactive they are. So you really want to choose these guys carefully and you want to work with the best of the best in any given area that you're active in. Now, if you're buying investment properties and you are dealing with tenants and property managers, these property managers will also have uh, renovation and repair professionals that they tend to work with regularly. In some cases, they'll even have their own renovation and maintenance company, which makes sense. It does enable them to increase their profits and also to be more efficient at their work if done properly and not overpriced. But in many cases, you will want to compare quotes and estimates for any maintenance or repair items, any renovations that anybody quotes you on. And definitely, if you don't have a property management company because you're placing your own tenants, this is probably only going to be the case if you cater to foreign tenants because Japanese tenants will never want to communicate directly with a foreign landlord. In those cases, and assuming you're not the DIY um, do-it-yourself maintenance renovation repair type, you will need to find and work with your own renovation and repair professionals. And here in particular, you really want to work with their standard Japanese companies again, because maintenance and repair companies, aside from a very few select locations that are abnormally thick with foreigners, there are simply none to be found that can and will agree to work with foreigners. And the rare ones that do, usually handle only high-end properties in high-end locations. So places like Niseko, the international and highly overpriced uh, ski and winter sports community up in Hokkaido, or places which are full of foreigners who live in their own bubble, like some of the European and American uh, executive communities, gated communities in Tokyo, 
or right next to some of the U.S. Army bases in Okinawa, Yokosuka, etc. And like most professionals who cater exclusively to foreigners who don't have much of a choice in the matter, these guys will usually be very overpriced. So again, go local. It'll cost you far less to hire some local Japanese assistant if you know exactly what you want and just need to communicate it or even to hire a company like ours if you need more professional advice on your side. But both of these solutions will cost you far less than it will cost you to hire a renovation and repair company that caters specifically to foreigners, and that's guaranteed. Now, lastly, of course, there are accountants and tax authorities which you'll need to communicate with. The best is usually to let your accountant deal with the tax authorities. And fortunately, similar to lawyers, there are enough accountants out there in Japan who can provide services in English. So it's really a matter of finding affordable ones and preferably someone who's already been dealing with foreign property owners. Uh, we can happily recommend a few of those if you'd like. Just hit us up. They're mainly in Tokyo, but they can service clients anywhere in the world and they can assist with property and tax related matters anywhere in Japan. So location isn't really an issue, at least in that case. And there you have it. These are, in a nutshell, the third parties that you'll be working with on a regular basis, regardless of whether you're purchasing properties in Japan for your own personal use or for investment, business, or any combination of, all of those. Now, most of these third parties are localized, meaning you'll sometimes be working with a nationwide company. But even in those cases, these companies will have local branches in each of the various cities, and those branches will have different staff members in each. So... National account management isn't really a big thing in Japan, or at least not yet. So if you're going to be purchasing in more than one area, it does make financial and management sense to hire a buyer's agent or portfolio managers. Again, someone like ourselves who can centralize things for you and provide you with a hands-free experience or at least with a single point of contact. But if you're just going to be buying and managing uh, properties in one particular area, just get yourself local representation and just shop around. You're bound to find plenty of potential companies that you can work with. As long as, again, you're dealing with Japanese professionals, the standard type, and you bridge that language and cultural gap, uh, which is, again, always the better way to do it, rather than deal with only those select few companies uh, that cater specifically to foreigners. Okay, that's about it from us for today. We hope this helps you focus your inquiries, gives you a bit of a framework that you can work with if you're just about to kick off your first purchase or if you're expanding your portfolio beyond that first property, do feel free to ask us anything or give us your feedback in the comments section of wherever you might have found this episode. And again, we'll link to Odyssey's websites in the show notes as promised. If you could spare a moment of your time to leave us a rating or a review on the iTunes Podcast Center or on Spotify or wherever good podcasts are found and rated, we would really, really appreciate it. We hope to have you with us next time, and until then, because all property purchases are in one way or another an investment for your future, we wish you, as always, happy investing.